Well, good morning. Good to see you today. I want to welcome, welcome you home today. We are so glad that you are here this morning. Uh, it may be gloomy outside today, but we have the hope of Christ inside today. Amen. And so we are so glad that you are here today. Hey, want to do some celebrating this morning as we get going today. As uh, Pastor Adam had mentioned in the video, we have four brand new groups that are starting today. So we have almost 10 uh, life groups that meet on Sunday night, uh, not to mention the other ones that uh, we have during the week. So we are so excited about that. Um, also wanted to report today that just Monday, uh, the house that we have, the homestead over here, just a couple houses away uh, that our college students are part of, just on Monday. We had 74 college students go through just on Monday. So we are excited about that. And then we have, uh, we've adopted the middle school and every fall we do something for them. This year we did look good, feel good bags. And we collected about 200 of those. And we had some thank you uh, letters that came from uh, Mrs. Bachover, the eighth grade science teacher. She says, thank you so much for your generosity and the compassion you have for our youth at Pittsburgh Community Middle School. It is remarkable to witness your love and the effect it has on our students. We appreciate you all, Mrs. Bachover. And then, dear Pitt Naz, I want to thank you for your continued support of our school and investment in our students. You are making a positive impact in countless lives, in our children's lives. Kids light up when they get a new pair of shoes or a backyard uh, backpack. Um, your congregation is donated. I know that the look good, feel good packs you sent this year will be a blessing to so many. Thank you for showing the love of Christ to our students through your donations and Wednesday night activities. God bless Laura Earl, Pittsburgh Community Middle School Assistant Principal. Let's give God a hand. That is awesome. I wanted to also share with you today, some of you may not even know this name, it may not mean anything to you, but about three or four years ago, uh, we had a youth pastor here, his name was Dylan, and we loved him, and God did, God did some amazing things, and Dylan left with about, uh, Dylan left to plant a church, and they had about 70 people that got that started, and uh, in the last year or so, they've had like 550 people coming, and this, and this Sunday, today, Dylan told me I couldn't say anything until today. They are launching a second campus about 10 minutes from where they're at. Uh, They purchased some property and they're going to do a video campus over there with Pastor Selena. So we just celebrate all the good things that God is doing. That is awesome. And we're glad you're here. We are starting a new series today. I'm excited about that called Do Something When God Picks You. Say it with me. Do something when God picks you. So I thought it might be fun today. I'm going to share you, share with you uh, three or four quick funny stories. And every time I point to you, I want you to just say, do something. Can we do that? All right, let's practice. You ready? Awesome. You guys are with me today. Hey, just a few weeks ago, uh, I heard Wit scream, my wife, in the other room. And I thought, what in the world? And she almost ran into this big spider on the wall. And I said, she's, I ran in there and I said, what's going on? She said, there's a spider. And I said, well, I don't, I don't really have anything on me. And she said to me, just... And not all that long ago, uh, my son Noah was at home and everybody else was gone. And I went in to empty the guest 
bathroom trash, you know, trying to be a good husband and earn some brownie points. And when I went in to grab the trash can and pull it up, I accidentally knocked into this hose that goes into the, into the toilet and it started spraying water everywhere. And so Noah comes running in and I'm freaking out. And I said, I don't, I don't know what I need to do. And Noah just screams at me. And I said, I don't know what to do. And then a little bit later, uh, this has probably been six months to a year ago, Gracie wanted to cook some mac and cheese. And she said, how long does it need to be in the microwave for? I said, three minutes and 30 seconds. She put in 33 minutes and 30 seconds. About five or six minutes later, the microwave caught on fire, and she screamed from the other room, Dad! And I said, you are grounded. (laughs) Uh, A while back... We put, we have Luke's soap that's Luke's shampoo on the tub and we have our shampoo on the tub. He grabbed the wrong one. I hear him screaming in the other room. I run in and he's got soap in his eyes and I said, what's going on, dad? And he said, my eyes are burning. I said, what can I do? And he said, please, daddy. And so, uh, I was thinking about that today as we're starting this new series called Do Something because we all have people in our lives that call us to do something. And the reality is, not only do they call us to do something, sometimes we require others to do something. But here's the series today. God is calling us to... Yeah, and this is what this series is focused on. I shared with you last week, we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah over the next four weeks, counting today. And we're going to be studying about how God calls Nehemiah to do something for the, about the walls of Jerusalem that have, that have been torn down and the gates been burned. In the same way that God calls Nehemiah to do something about the walls of Jerusalem, God calls all of us as his followers to... We're losing our vigor. You guys are just like the first service. Uh, for his kingdom. And through this series, the question that we're going to be asking each of us, including myself, is how is God calling you and I to for his kingdom. Okay. How many of you raise your hand? Be honest. Are annoyed that I keep having you do that. Let's just be honest. A few of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. One honest person. I'm still going to do it, but I appreciate your honesty. (laughs) Hey, today, as I mentioned, we're talking about Nehemiah. What's cool about Nehemiah is Nehemiah was just a normal person. Nehemiah um, wasn't a a king or a president. In fact, Nehemiah's job was he was the cupbearer to the king. Some of you might think, what in the world is a cupbearer? A cupbearer back then was somebody who served wine to the royal family. And actually, it was kind of, believe it or not, a prestigious job because the truth was is that different people might try to poison the king. And so you had to be somebody that was trustworthy. So if people said, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I cut hair. You know, I, I clean teeth. I, I, I'm a teacher. What do you do? I'm the cupbearer. I serve the king wine. That's right. I'm somebody. It's kind of like on that show where Will Ferrell says, I'm kind of a big deal, right? (laughs) And so what takes place is he's a cupbearer to the king. And all of a sudden, uh, what you also got to know is, is that the nation of Israel is exiled, which is a big fancy word for basically being kicked out of their kingdom. Like you guys remember when Hurricane Katrina took place and everybody in New Orleans was exiled to the Houston Astrodome? Essentially, because of their sin, God allowed people to come in and exile Israel out of their homeland. So they're away from home. And some people go back to Jerusalem 
and they don't see, they don't like what they see. There's a problem, and they come back. And Nehemiah says, Tell me what's going on at home. And they said, Things are not going well. Those who returned to the province of Judah said this they are in great trouble and distress, and disgrace is taking place back in Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now, remember that earlier on, a couple of few weeks ago, I said that a city back then, their strength was from their walls, from their fortress, from the fact that they can protect themselves. So if you don't have walls, you don't really have a city, which means you don't really have anything. And so the fact that their walls are destroyed, that begins to not only grieve Nehemiah, but it grieves him to the point that he gets a burden. Have you ever had a burden for something? I mean, a lot of us have. Probably all of us have had. My wife obviously had a burden for me to kill the spider. and My son had a burden for me to fix the water leak. My daughter had a burden for me to put the fire out. And my son had a burden for me to put the right shampoo on the tub and get the shampoo out of his eyes. We all have burdens. Some of them aren't God burdens, but we have burdens. But there are times in our life where God gives us a God burden. And it's not just a burden. It's a burden with a purpose. And sometimes when we're praying for someone who doesn't know Christ to come to know Christ, or we're burdened by something that just seems kind of unrealistic, and sometimes we wish we could kind of give that burden away, the truth is, is that God has that burden on you and me for a reason. And so today's message is called Burden First. Say it with me. Burden first. Because God was calling uh, Nehemiah to do something, but first it started with a burden. And here's what the burden is. The walls are in shambles. In fact, so much so that Nehemiah goes into mournful mode. He sits down and he weeps. In fact, for days he mourned and he fasted and he prayed to the God of heaven. What's interesting here is we see that Nehemiah is not just praying, but he's in deep prayer mode. And during this deep prayer mode, he remembers something. He remembers what caused this issue because in the past, Israel keeps having issues with forgetting that God has to be first. And he begins to remember that it's their sin, in fact, even Nehemiah's sin, that's causing the problem. And the first burden that he has before he can go and do what God's called him to do is he realizes that he's got to confess his sin. In fact, it says, I can, Nehemiah prays this prayer while he's laying on his face. Have you ever had a burden on your heart so much so that, that you laid down on the floor and prayed about it? I'm not talking about, you know, at dinner time, Lord, bless the steak and the corn. We pray the Chiefs would win at 305, so I don't have to tell Rob Johnson that I was wrong about the Chiefs beating the Chargers. That's my own personal story. (laughs) But a real prayer where you are praying for something and you're praying so hard, you cannot get your face close enough to the ground. And Nehemiah is praying like that. And he says, I confess that we have sinned against you. Even my own family, and Nehemiah makes it personal, even I have sinned. 
We have sinned. How do they sin? Terribly. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, the decrees, and the regulations that you've given us through your servant Moses. In other words, what Nehemiah is saying is the reason this has happened is because we're not obeying you. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So he prays this prayer of repentance. And he says, oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. You know, some of us that are parents, we hear our our kids say, please. And then there's other times where they pray, they talk to us and they say, please. I don't know what the Greek word, I didn't look it up when he says, please hear my prayers, but you can tell it's a desperate prayer. Please grant me success today because Nehemiah has to get permission from the earthly king in order to go back to Jerusalem and build these walls. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And we're going to stop there today, and we're going to hear the rest of this story over the next few weeks. Because I want to talk about the first thing that happens before the walls get built. The first thing that happens before a marriage gets restored. The first thing that happens before pornography is no longer an addiction. The first things that happens before drugs and alcohol aren't a part of the picture in the, anymore. The first thing that happens for forgiveness to take place. The first thing to happen before we can see God's purpose accomplished in our lives is for God to give us a burden. And sometimes that burden is a burden of sin that we need to get, let go of. But God gives Nehemiah a burden so that he will be motivated to do something about it. Say it with me. God gives Nehemiah a burden so that he will be motivated. See, that burden that you wish would go away, there's a good possibility that burden is there to motivate you to do something about it. In other words, God uses burdens to move us to do something about that thing that won't let us sleep at night. I got to tell you this. The reason that I'm here today is because my family had a burden that I was not following the Lord. You know, some of us didn't grow up in church. Some of us did grow up in church. I grew up around church, but I wasn't following God. And I got into college and I started making my own decisions and I got away from God. And God put a burden on my family to begin to pray for me. And I'm here today, and some of you are here today, because someone had a burden first. Someone had to carry. They didn't have to carry me physically. That would be really heavy. They carried me spiritually every day, saying, God, I'm bringing Kyle to you again today. God, I'm bringing Mary to you again today. God, I'm bringing my children to you today. God, I'm bringing my son-in-law to you today. God, I'm bringing my father-in-law to you. God, I'm bringing this kid I go to school with you again today. It started with a burden. And then after the burden takes place, Nehemiah recognizes that repentance is needed before God will give him favor. 
You know, sometimes we get so gang-ho to do something, but there's some pre-work that needs to happen. Our kids just get geeked out about vacation. We love vacation. My wife and I love vacation too. But like, we'll be two hours from leaving and Luke's already sitting in the car, right? Sitting there waiting to go because he wants to go. Let's do something. Let's go. Let's do this. And we have to say to him by the fifth time, we don't say it as nice, but we have to say to him, bud, we're not ready yet. There's still some things that have to happen before we can go do that thing and take that trip. And whether or not we're ready with God or not, God has put inside of each of you a plan and a purpose and a giftedness that he has called you to. And no matter what we put in that hole that I would call giftedness and plan and all of that. We can put alcohol, we can put drugs, we can put relationships, we can put friendships, we can put competence, we can put all kinds of things inside that hole. And some of us have, some of us are, and some of us will from time to time, myself included. But the reality is we are not fulfilled totally when we aren't doing the thing that God's called us to do. But in order to find out what that is, Sometimes we've got to, get, got to get rid of the sin that's in our lives. We cannot say, God, you have all of me, but we're looking at pornography every night. We cannot say, God, we, you have all of me, but we're sleeping around on our wife or our husband. We cannot say, God, you have all of me. You have all of my life if we're living in such a way that something else is a God over him. See, there's these, these you know, obvious sins that everybody points to in culture and says, that's a sin. But inside the church, there's these more sophisticated sins that we kind of like just don't really talk about or we don't really think they're a sin because, you know, we're church folk or we go to church or we went by a church on the way somewhere and they're not quite as black and white. And so the pornography or the alcohol or this, you know, big thing over here that everybody would look at and say, that's a sin. We're not involved in that. So we're good. But then this thing over here, it could be a hobby. It could be an interest. It could be a relationship. It could be all the above. It's kind of bigger than God is in our life. And now all of a sudden we're asking for God to show us something, but God's like, you know, that sophisticated sin over there, the act like nobody else can see. Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. And it's a sin. And that burden of sin stops the purposes that God created you and I for. It's not that those purposes aren't there. It's that sin kinks the hose. We have this hose in our backyard that is like old as dirt. And it's hooked up and we ended up having to finally get rid of it because it kinked all the time. We couldn't ever get the water flow right. We had it connected to several hoses, and we would try to water the, the flowers and water the dog and all this, and we'd have to constantly mess with it because it was always kinked. And that's what sin does. It's not that the water has ceased from coming. It's that sin stops it. It kinks it. And today, if there's somebody in here that's saying, what is the meaning to life? What is the purpose that I was created for? There has to be more to life than this. The first place, the first burden is a, the burden to repent and say, God, I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I make the choice today to put you first in my life. The other day, our air conditioner went out. 
And I'd done several things to try to figure out what it was. And Wit goes, did you check the breaker box? I'm like, no. <laughs> so I'm walking out to the breaker box and I'm thinking, please don't work. Please don't work. Please don't work. Which is the wrong thing to say. But I go out there and it, it didn't work. It wasn't that. It was, some, it was a fuse that blew on the air conditioner. But in our lives sometimes we're like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Is there some sin in your life that you haven't checked out yet? You see, Nehemiah's repentant heart removes his burden of sin. And it's not that there's no, not a burden anymore, but the burden changes from sin to purpose. Nehemiah's repentant heart removes his burden of sin and it unlocks God's burden of purpose for him. You see, repentance frees us up to focus on the burden of purpose God has for us. Can I tell you today that that burden of purpose, if it's really a burden of purpose and not a burden of sin and not a selfish burden, right? We all have selfish burdens. I have a selfish burden. I want to be sitting in front of my TV today at 3.05 when the Chiefs play their game. And my son's like probably going to be like, let's go play. Let's say, go play with your mom. No, I won't say that like that. <laughs> but we have these burdens. But church, how we can tell if it's a God burden is a God burden will always include the great commandments and the great commission. God will not give you a burden that doesn't have the great commandments and the great commission in it. God will not give you a burden to sleep around on your wife. If you have that burden, that's not God's burden. That's your selfish, sinful self. God will not give you a burden to do something that goes against His Word. But as you walk with God and you invite His Spirit into your life and you begin to say, God, you're first. I don't have it all figured out. I don't even know what book is in the Bible. I don't know any of that stuff. But what I do know is this. I want you first in my life. And you begin to say, God, give me your burden. Church, He will give you a burden. Ron Morey, some of you don't know who Ron is, but he sits back here in the first service. And Ron and, Ron and Lucretia have been doing foster care for 35 years because there's a burden. It's not my burden. It's their burden. Pastor Thomas and Heidi, they've got five kids, but they've had times have nine kids in their house because they have a burden for foster care. And some of you, I know I'm missing people. You have that same burden and you have foster kids in your house. Some of you have a burden to serve in some way or to help on Wednesday night or, or to greet on a Sunday or maybe God's going to, I'm praying today that God's going to put his thumb in somebody's back today to sign up to go to Columbus and say, I'm going to answer that call and be a part of that burden. But folks, Nehemiah's burden of purpose has him doing some crazy things. And when God puts that burden on our lives, we'll find ourselves doing some crazy things. You see, burdens bring the crazy out in us kind of a weird way to say that, but say it with me, even if you don't know what I'm meaning. Burdens bring the crazy out in us. You know what's crazy? 35 years in foster care. Ron and Lucretia, nobody, nobody would blame them for saying, you know what? I, I'm, I've served my time. But there's a burden. 
Steve Enoch, who's our media technology guy here, his parents are missionaries in South Sudan, and they could be retired right now, not putting their life on the line. You want to know why they're still in South Sudan living in one of those, it's like a trailer, like a, what do you call those, freighter, freighter trailers or whatever, sleeping in 80 and 90 degree heat. You know why? Why they're still there? Because they have a burden. If you don't have a burden, keep listening. If you've gone a long time without a burden, you might have a sin burden that you need to deal with. But if you will pray and you will seek and you will repent, God will give you a burden. Because there are people around you that need to know the Lord that need the kingdom of God built in their life. You want to know what's so crazy? Our delayed yes to the burden of purpose delays someone else's burden from being relieved. See, God expects action when He gives you a burden. The other night, Noah had football practice after school. Then he had baseball practice after school. Then he came to youth group after that. Then he went home, and he wanted to sit on the couch a little bit and relax, but I knew he needed to get up and get his shower so he can go to bed. And I said, bud, you need to go take your shower. Five minutes later, he's sitting there. I said, bud, you need to take your shower. Three or four minutes, I came back in the room. I said, Noah, I expect action. I told you to go get in the shower. Go get in the shower. And folks, delayed obedience is disobedience. And God is calling us, regardless of how busy we are. Some of us have evenings like Noah had the other night all the time. And we make excuses as to why we can't do something for God. But God is calling us to take a leap of faith and do something about the burden that God has given you. Say it with me. Take a leap of faith and do something about the burden God has given you. So the question this morning as we kind of close this out today is what needs to be the first something that you do? Maybe if you could just imagine with me this morning, maybe for some of us today, the first something that we need to do is to ramp up our prayer life for that person that needs to know Jesus. So you kind of feel bad that such and such is struggling with this addiction, or you kind of feel bad that somebody in your life doesn't know the Lord, or you kind of feel bad that your neighbor has got a real problem going on, and you know it'd be really cool if somebody would do something about it. And imagine if you would just begin to pray, God... Help me do something about it because next week we're going to learn the message called Send Me. Nehemiah begins to pray, God, would you give me favor with the king? 
God, would you allow the king to have favor on me so I can go do something about these city walls that are torn down because this is not what you intended for Israel, for them to not be able to return to Jerusalem, for them to not be protected and to be powerful and to be strong. God, send me. I want to do something about it. Imagine if you and you and me and you and you, and you, and you, and we all begin to pray, God, would you help me to do something about foster care? God, would you help me to do something about that that town of Columbus that doesn't know the Lord? God, would you help me to do something about that kid at school that I can't connect with? I'm a teacher, and I just can't connect with him. God, you know what? Instead of just sitting with my friends at school, there's a couple of kids that nobody likes them. Everybody bullies them. God, what could I do about that? What could I do about that? God, would you help me to do something? Folks, the reason we can do something is because God did something. You are not someone that has to sit in your shame and your struggle, in your worry, in your addiction, in your, in your battles. God did something. He sent his son. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he did something, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God did something so we can do something. And church today in your life, do you want to just sit in the boat like most of the disciples did? Sitting around judging Peter because he got out of the boat and actually did something? Are you going to say the safest place for me to be is in the water where Jesus is? God, help me to do something. I'm getting out of the boat. I didn't even ask Jesus if I could. If I walk, I walk. If I sink, I sink. I'm going to do something. Maybe today there's somebody in here that it's really hard for you to imagine any kind of purpose for your life because your sin or your depression or whatever it is in your life is so right here. And the answer is clear for you today. If that's you, the first something for you to do is to get down and say, Lord, I need you. I repent of my selfish ways. Or Lord, I've tried to kick this addiction and I can't. And I'm asking you to do something in me because I can't do it. I need you to do something in me. And I believe in what you did for me. As we stand together this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe somebody in here today, God's doing something in you while you're sitting here. You just feel kind of weird. You kind of feel this heaviness or this anxiety That's the Holy Spirit's talking to you right now. Some of us don't even maybe know what that's like, but the Holy Spirit's talking to you. And maybe today you just need to say with nobody, you don't have to talk out loud for people to hear you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you can just say to the Lord, Jesus, I hear you doing something in me. And Father, I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to forgive me for my apathy. Maybe there's some in here today that you have a relationship with Jesus, but you have an unforgiving heart towards someone who's legitimately done you wrong. Or maybe someone, Father, is in here and and it's a misunderstanding and, and they need your grace and your power to forgive. Father, today, if that's them, would they be able to say, what happens, not okay, but I choose through the power of this Holy Spirit 
through what God did to forgive or let go. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that as we're doing this, you're calling them to go to Columbus or you're calling them to join a small group or you're calling them to to walk across the aisle at school and sit next to that kid who doesn't know what God's love looks like. And they hear you tapping them on the shoulder today and they will say, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Say it with me. Yes, I will. So uh, maybe a lot of you don't know that this is my dad over here. He was one of my family members that were on their face saying, yes, I will carry Kyle. I will pray for him. I will carry the burden. Kyle's lost and he doesn't know God. He's making bad choices. This is not about music and a sermon. And you guys walking out of here saying, man, they put that together. This is about the fact that there's somebody around you in your life that's waiting on you to pick up your cross and carry and say, yes, I will. I got a heart for Columbus and I'm going to go. I've got a heart for that kid at school that nobody wants to speak to. Yes, I will. There's nobody at school that's starting an FCA. I will. There's somebody who's struggling with addiction and nobody's doing anything about it. I will. Yes, I will. Folks, today it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus did. It's about what he did. It's about what God wants to do through you to reach someone else and for them to come to know Christ and for them to do it for somebody else. Do something because God has picked you and me. And if he's given you a burden, God's not wrong. He's not going to give up. He's going to keep pushing you. And it could get miserable. I remember in my life, When I was ignoring the call to ministry, man, God made me just miserable. And when I said, God, okay, the peace came. So you don't have to say yes to God today, but understand God ain't going anywhere. He's waiting on you because people are waiting on you. Lord Jesus, today, thank you. I pray today that somebody in here today said, yes, I will. With every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you prayed to accept Jesus into your heart, whether you said yes to Columbus, whether you said yes to just being a better husband or dad or father or mother or sister or something, whatever it is, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you said yes, I will in some way, shape or form, would you just slip your hand up really quickly? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand. Let's give God a hand. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would use me to do something today in someone else's life. I pray that for each of us today. We love you and we give you praise. May we be about the great commandments to love God and others. May we be about the great commission to go and make disciples all the days of our life. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a great Sunday.